and discovered that all 33 miners were alive. For the next several weeks, they had to work to get to them, so they developed a capsule that they lowered 2,300 feet into the ground, and one by one, each miner would put oxygen on and lay down in this capsule and be pulled up out of ground all the way to the surface. They had not seen the light of day for 69 days. If that was me being pulled up 2,300 feet out of the ground, they would have had to give me some Valium <laughs> or some nitrogen. Because I'm a little bit claustrophobic. But they were all saved because they had help. Did you know when God sent the promised Holy Spirit, he was actually saying, help is here. Help is here. You don't and I don't have to live life helpless. He's empowered us to live a victorious life through the person, presence, and power of the Holy Spirit that abides in us. Jesus said, I'm going away, but I'm going to send you another counselor, one just like me, in every essential detail. Not only will he be with you, but he will be in you. You have a global positioning system in you. He's called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a force. He's not a feeling. He, he is not a cloud. He is a person. We call him the person of the Holy Spirit. And when I begin to think about this, yesterday I was doing a wedding in Maryland. And it was in a rural area of Maryland across the Potomac Bridge on 301. And I was there doing my first cousin's daughter's wedding. And my GPS had to take me there because there was no way I could find it in a rural area. And so it turned me down this dirt road. And for the next two miles, we went down a dirt road, and I had just washed my Suburban <laughs> for this wedding. That was a terrible thought. I never thought I would have to go to Leonardtown to get on a dirt road in Maryland. So I drove down this dirt road for two miles and came to this beautiful vineyard that was situated on a tributary of the Potomac River. Beautiful. And that's where the wedding was going to be. And so yesterday at 4 o'clock, I married my first cousin's daughter and her fiancé and talked to all my cousins I hadn't seen in a while. And we jumped back in our suburban, Tangie and I, and we were coming home. And so I turned my GPS on on my phone, and I just put it in my cup holder so I could see it. Anybody like seeing the GPS? Just, you want to know where all the stop signs are, all the dead deer are. No, I'm just but I began to ride, and lo and behold, my wife discovered that she had left her pillows at the Hilton Garden Inn. And if you know anything about me, I am a forward-thinking, high-D personality. 
I turn around for nothing. The pillow is probably four months old. Beautiful pillow. High dollar pillow. Because as you age, the more expensive pillow you need. When I was young, I could sleep on anything. I could sleep right here. I could sleep right here and take my coat off and just... But the older I've gotten, I've noticed this. Pillows wear out quick. I don't know if my head's got heavy. Or if I'm just aging real quick. But we found out she had left her pillows. She didn't leave one, she left two. She has one for her head and one for between her knees. That just happens with when you're 29. It just happens when you're 29. I said, we can't go back. If we go back, that's an hour and a half. And an hour and a half back, we had a four-hour drive. No, that ain't happening. <laughs> call my sister-in-law or call my cousin's wife and say, tell them to put it in the mail. Go buy Hilton. Grab those two pillows. Stuff them in. Send them to us overnight. Well, lo and behold, she took my phone looking for a phone number. And she took my GPS. I don't mind my wife looking at my phone because I don't try to hide anything. Amen. I got oh, somebody. Hallelujah. My God, I felt that. I'm going to drink a little water. I've been fighting a cold for about two weeks. Anybody ever fought a cold for two weeks? What is this song? COVID. Leftover garbage. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. But she took my phone and I couldn't see the GPS. I said, Baby, you gotta hurry up, get the number. I need my GPS. It was like I was having withdrawals or something. I don't know. I said, I need my GPS. And she looked at me, she said, You can hear it. Why do you need to see it? like most Christians, we want to see everything that God's going to do before we ever get there. Did you know vision from a biblical standpoint is not sight, it's hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Jesus was constantly saying this, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Elijah in 1 Kings 18, he said this, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Abram, who did not know God existed, had the ability to hear God when God said, Abram, I want you to leave your family, I want you to leave your relatives, and I want you to leave the Ur Chaldees, and I want you to go to a place you've never been before. He didn't have a GPS or an iPhone. He went on a word. See, oftentimes we think in the church a vision is seen. Solomon said without a vision the people perish. Without a vision. And we still think that's seen. But a more correct interpretation of that verse in 
Proverbs means this, without a prophetic revelation that you can hear, you can't move forward. See, when we begin to talk about hearing, I'm not talking about with your natural ears. I'm talking about hearing with the ear of your heart. Within that word heart, it's basically three words. First four letters, hear. Then the first middle three letters, hear. The last three is art. The art of following God is to be able to hear with the ear of your heart. Did you know you can save a lot of time, energy, and resources if you could just hear God? What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, for all the single ladies in here, if you could just hear God and not live by your sight. Man, he looks good. Man, He's 6'3", tall, dark, and handsome. He's got a six-pack, boy. He's got to be from God. <laughs> he might look good on the inside, but he might all be all shaky on the in uh, outside. He might look good, but on the inside, he might be a little shaky. <laughs> See, God would save us time in dating. He would save us money in college if we had the ability to hear him. Jesus said this. I'm, I just want you to know you can hear God. God's not trying to hide from you. Did you know the parables in the New Testament are called mysteries? God didn't hide them from you. He hid them for you. God doesn't hide his word from us. He, he, he hid it for us so we can get into his word and, and learn his word. But he said this. He said, my sheep know my voice. If you can't hear God, Because at the moment you get saved, God gives you his Holy Spirit to live in you. Jesus promised that. He said it would be a promise from the Father. The Holy Spirit is given to us from God the Father through Jesus Christ. Now he lives in us. And he begins to position us so we can move and live and have our being in him. I remember 29 and a half years ago, I was praying in my parents' room upstairs where I normally pray. And I heard God speak to me, not in an audible voice, but an inward witness saying, you're getting ready to meet your wife. I said, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm 25. I was on fire. <laughs> Y'all aren't religious on that. <laughs> Every man that's 25 is on fire. <laughs> Unless something's wrong. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah. So I called my cousin. He was at World Harvest Bible College. I said, man, I'm getting ready to meet my wife. He said, how do you know? I said, the Lord just told me in prayer. He said, man, what you smoking? 
I said, nothing. Two weeks later, hand just shows up on my front porch. Now, at that moment, I didn't recognize her because I was just too dumb. But it wasn't long I recognized her. God's word was true. I heard it. I didn't have to go to the lucky sleeper or the shady lady to find her. <laughs> there are singles all over this city going from church to church trying to find the one. When if you would pray... And say, Lord, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to serve in the kingdom. I'm going to serve in your church. And at the right moment, my path is going to cross with the one you have for me. I would rather God pick my spouse than me pick my spouse. I'm preaching up in here today. Because if I pick the spouse, it won't be long. I'll be in the pastor's office needing a lot of counsel. Jesus said this. Not only is he going to be in you and with you, he said, I'm not going to leave you fatherless. You're not going to be an orphan. And you're not going to have an orphan spirit because my Holy Spirit is going to be with you. Do you know an orphan feels neglected? An orphan often has a negative mindset, a pessimistic mindset. An orphan feels abused and abandoned. Jesus said, you're not going to feel abused. You're not going to feel abandoned because I'm going away. Because there's going to come one just like me. And on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says the Holy Spirit came. And they were all filled and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit of God gave the evidence. Just what Jesus said, that's what happened. And then Paul picks up on this. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. In Galatians chapter 5, he says the fruit of the Spirit. So he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about the gifts of the Spirit. In Acts 16, we see that Paul was led by the Spirit through a vision to go to Macedonia. And because he did that, Lydia and her household were saved. And the first church started in Europe. Because Paul had the ability to hear God and be led by the Spirit. The book of Romans, if you're a new believer, even if you've been a believer for a while, one of the greatest books you need to digest and get down deep in your spirit is the book of Romans. For the next 365 days, read it. You say, Pastor, I can't understand it. Read it until God gives you the understanding. The Holy Spirit is the teacher, not Pastor Archie. <laughs> if I do anything, the only thing I do when I stand up is I become a vessel that the Holy Spirit teaches through. So if I read it and the Holy Spirit is my GPS, my global system, uh, positioning system, and he leads me, and he guides me into all truth, I believe when I read the Bible, which was inspired by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will give me the interpretation. How I many of you know, I didn't start reading the Bible at 12 and I, and I understood it. There were some times I read the Bible and closed it and I was mad. You ever been like that? I don't understand a doggone thing. But I didn't stop reading it. I kept reading And in Romans chapter 8, Paul begins to give us four things that the Holy Spirit does for us. But I'm going to read 
Romans 8, 26 through 28 first. He said that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Have you ever been like that? I don't know how to pray for my spouse. I don't know how to pray for my kids. I don't even know what kind of job I need, but the Holy Spirit does. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. Meaning this, when I pray in accordance with the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's praying for me and through me, the Father, God the Father, understands what's happening. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony, look here, in harmony with God's own will. When we pray in accordance with the Spirit, there's a harmony between our spirit, the Holy Spirit, and Father God that takes place. And, and God knows exactly what we're praying. Don't you love harmony? I love harmony, but I need some melody. Just to hear somebody sing harmony is terrible. But then you add my wife's melodic voice into that and she sings melody. See, sometimes I can sing harmony, but it sounds a whole lot better when my wife comes alongside me and it helps me. Sometimes I sing and my kids say, hold up, Dad, you hit the wrong note. But God harmonizes with us in prayer because we don't know how to pray and what to pray for. So the first thing that the Holy Spirit does for us, he helps free us, say freedom. Do you know it's possible to be saved? Been saved 20 years and still be bound up in your mind, in your mind, your will, and emotions. So he frees us to live and liberate. Jesus did not die on a cross just to get you to heaven. He died on a cross and was resurrected so that you could become like him and be him in the earth. And so as I'm placed in him at salvation, I get a new address. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, all things become new. At the moment I say yes to Jesus, I repent of my sins and I turn toward him, he puts me the Holy Spirit baptizes me into the body of Christ. I am put in Christ. I have a new address. It's called in Christ. But the problem with that is if I don't stay in Christ, I tend to show up at my old address. See, it's possible to come to church on Sunday and be in Christ and show up at your old address Sunday afternoon. I don't think we want to do that. I think sometimes the sin, the bondage of sin that, that's resident in our life, we, we don't understand that thing was broken when Jesus died on the cross, when he was buried, and when he was resurrected. When he died, I died. When he was buried, I was buried. But when he was resurrected, I was resurrected in him, and sin can be broken off my life. Galatians 5, I love the book of Galatians, 19 says this. He says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Obvious. He said, you don't even have to think about it. It's not like they're hidden. He says, they're obvious. Sexual immorality. What? 
sexual immorality is all sex, any kind of sex, outside of covenant marriage. Why did it get so quiet? <laughs> We're here because somebody got passionate. All of us. God's not against sex. He created procreation. He, he saw that Adam was a loner. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. He puts him to sleep and he takes a rib and he creates this woman. He wakes Adam up. Adam looks at her and says, whoa, man. And she was beautiful. And he says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Marriage is a mystery and there's procreation, but God wants sex inside marriage. Why? For protection. Look all over our nation where kids have been born outside of marriage. It leads to poverty. Very few exceptions. LeBron James is one. But you don't have the skills as LeBron James. Amen. I wish I did. I don't have them. I'm white. I can't jump about that <laughs> I could grab the rim, but I was never able to dunk it. But I did beat my son in 21 the last time we played, amen? <laughs> and I did it with my eyes closed in front of a whole gym full of people in the rack. I said, Ethan, watch this. I closed my eyes like Michael Jordan shot the ball, and I heard it go through, and I ran out of the gym and left it there. <laughs> amen. Impurity? Look at this word. And debauchery. What's debauchery? It's extreme indulgence in bodily pleasure, except, especially in sexual that's what debauchery is. Idolatry and witchcraft. Often we think of witchcraft as October 31st, and we, we see the witch stirring her broom. She's got a black hat on, and she flies on a broom. I mean, you know, witchcraft, that's not what Paul was talking about. He was talking about people operating in the flesh to control, manipulate, and dominate other people. So if you're in a marriage and you're trying to dominate your spouse, you're practicing witchcraft. You might be a witch. You might be a witch. And you don't need a devil for any of these. Paul didn't say this is what the devil does. No, he says this is what your flesh is capable of. I'm preaching in here. Uh, I hope you shout on Facebook and YouTube. He said witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, 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 drunkenness. Orgies, which goes back to sexual immorality and the like. I warn you, he's warning them, as I did before. This was not the first time he pointed his finger under their nose at the, at the church of Galatia. He says that those who practice or those who live like this will not inherit what? The kingdom of God. He's saying if that is constantly showing up in your life and your flesh is ruling your life, there's no possible way you can inherit the kingdom of God. He was not saying that one day you just trip up and you sin and you repent it and, and you got back on course. He was saying if this is, is the makeup of your life, is this, if this is the way you live your life and you call yourself a believer in Christ, the devil is alive. He says you will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
last time you heard that verse? But he comes back in Romans 8, 1 through 2, and he says this. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to what? Christ Jesus. Or some translations say, in Christ Jesus. Where am I secure? I believe in eternal security. As long as I'm in Christ. I just messed some of you up. <laughs> because you've been taught, I can go up and shake a pastor's hand. And say a few words and live like hell and make it to heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches I am secure if I remain in Christ. Let's go back to that verse, guys. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ or in Christ because you belong to him. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. He's saying if you're in Christ, you're not condemned because you're in him and he took your condemnation on the cross. But you've got to stay there. You've got to stay in Christ. In chapter 8 of Romans... The first portion, no condemnation. The last portion, no separation. In between, no defeat in that chapter. Why? Because I'm in Christ. I can't be condemned. I can't be defeated. Come on, I can't be separated from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. So my zip code and my address changed the moment I got saved. And Jesus said, I am the vine. You're the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, John. 15, you can do no good thing. So as long as I'm a branch that's been engrafted into the vine and I stay there, guess what? I'm secure. Now I can go out there and live like the devil and think I'm secure, but you're probably not secure. If your life looks like Galatians 5.19 constantly, there is no security in that. It says the power of sin leads to death. But Colossians 1 says this, that Christ rescued us from the dominion of darkness. In chapter 6 of Romans, Paul says, sin should not have dominion over you. How many of you know, when you got saved, the dominion of sin was broken. And you're no longer a slave to that sin. After you get saved and you become a new creation, if you sin, it's not because you were a slave and you were drugged into sin. If you sinned, it was a choice. That's good preaching for me. If I cheat on my wife, if I cheat on my wife, it's not because I'm a slave to sin. It's because I made a choice to do that to my wife. And most people in modern day churches will say, well, every decision comes repercussion. And I have to live with the consequences of my decision. Not only does he help us, he empowers us. He, he helps us to think right. Say think right. You can't think wrong and live right. John Maxwell said you can't go uphill with downhill habits. Solomon says as a man thinks in his heart so is he. 
Paul said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing, not the removal. Don't check your mind out at the door. Bring your mind in here. We want to engage your mind. He said, by the renewing of your mind, so that you may be able to prove and attest what the will of God is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, the Holy Spirit helps us with our thinking, to straighten out our thinking, because our thinking is so important. Peter in the New Testament said, prepare your mind for action. The battlefield of your life is in your mind. So I have to begin to think right by getting into God's Word and allow His Holy Spirit to change my thinking. Romans 8, 5, and 6 says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please what? The Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. You want life and peace? Be led by the Holy Spirit. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. I was on a phone call, call a couple weeks ago. I'm in a cohort working on a doctorate degree in theology and semiotics. And I was in this, in this phone call and our professor, Dr. Leonard Sweet, said this. He said, doubt, the opposite of doubt is not faith. The opposite of doubt is control. I just messed some of you up. When I doubt God's goodness and when I doubt God can move in my marriage, when I doubt God can bring my children home back to Him, guess what I do? When I doubt that, I seek to control them. I seek to manipulate the situation because I'm doubting the goodness of God. That's good right there. You need to tweet that. <laughs> So the opposite of doubt is not faith, it is control. The more I doubt, the more control I need. And so I end up becoming a control freak. I control the dog, I can control the remote control for the TV, I can control the car keys, I, I can control my life because I doubt that God can, can just move in situations. So you've got to think right. Next, the Holy Spirit helps us with affirmation. You might say, Pastor, are we affirming church? Yes, I affirm that God's word is true. Amen. I affirm all men are born in sin and need redemption. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit helps affirm it says in Romans 8, 16, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Meaning this, I don't have to doubt if I'm saved. I don't have to doubt if I'm a child of God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, big S, will testify and witness to my spirit, little S, that I am a child. I can have peace and assurance that I am in Christ. I don't have to worry about my salvation. I don't have to think about it. I am as sure as heaven as if I'm already there because the Holy Spirit has sealed me until the day of redemption and I've decided to stay in the right address, which is in Christ. If Jesus needed affirmation 
at his baptism when the father affirmed him and he said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. How much more do we need affirmation? That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Number four, the Holy Spirit helps us pray. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get on my knees and pray. I'm done 30 seconds. I done prayed my whole wish list. But how do you know that's not what prayer is for? Ian Bounds once said, prayer doesn't prepare us for greater things. It is the greater thing. Prayer is not to tell God what you need. Prayer is to come into communion with God. Where my spirit and the Holy Spirit and God the Father are just communing together. And the Holy Spirit helps me in my weakness in the area of praying. Because I don't even know what to pray for. I, I look at situations and I try to figure them out. But I don't know how to pray for those situations. But when I get on my knees, the Holy Spirit begins to pray. And with groanings that cannot be uttered with intelligible words. And, and the Holy Spirit prays. And God the Father knows exactly what I'm praying for. I don't even know how to sometimes pray for our nation. We're living in a confusing time. And artificial intelligence will make it more confusing. You won't even know if the person's real or not. Did you know if Christians are not monitoring and basically implementing and programming AI, it can be used for mass deception? Easily. The whole planet can be deceived into thinking something's right when it's not right. So how do we know if it's deception or not? If we're living, Jesus said, in the last days, many will be deceived. One of the marks of the last days is powerful deception. So how do we know what's true and what's not true? We know it by the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. Do you ever get around somebody and you say, man... Something's not right with that person. That's not you. That's the Holy Spirit saying, back up. No, I'm not going in covenant with you. I'm not going in business with you. No, I'm not hanging out with you. Something's not right. Ethan, when he was a baby, we had a, Tangy had like a second or third cousin. And every time we would get around that second or third cousin, he would look at him when he was like a year and a half, two years old. He'd say, hurt you. He would point at it and say, hurt you, hurt you. Sometimes little babies have more discernment than grown Christians. We never let our kids go over to people's houses. We don't do that. I don't know everybody. I ain't living in their house. No, sir, you got to be crazy if you just let your kids go anywhere. These days? Oh, come on, somebody. Ain't happening. Ain't happening. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If you want to, if you want to have them, they'll come to our house. I know our house. I know our house is clean. I'm not just talking about pillows being put up and the floors mopped. I'm talking about spiritually. It's clean. There ain't no trash in there. Ain't no junk that ain't supposed to be there. Sometimes you got to clean your house. Come on. Why do we let all the stuff come in? John Gill, I'm getting ready to wrap this up. John Gill, the Bible commentator, said this about prayer. He said, prayer, when performed aright, is performed in the spirit, with the heart, the soul, and the spirit engaged in it. 
It is put up with a true heart, a right spirit, without hypocrisy, in spiritual ways, with fervency under the influence and by the assistance of the Spirit of God. Did you know our prayers should be under the influence of the Holy Spirit and not our flesh? Have you ever prayed in the flesh? Lord, get that person. Lord, I want what my neighbor has. Where's that company? Your neighbor's junk. And they probably want to get rid of it anyway because they're tired of the payment. And they would give it to you if you take over the payment. But when we pray, we pray in accordance with the Spirit. Think about that. When Paul in Ephesians 6 said, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Spirit is capital, meaning Holy Spirit, in Ephesians 6. He was talking about praying in accordance and, and with the Father's will in the Spirit. He was talking not only about that, but he was talking about praying in your natural tongue, whether it's English or Spanish or any other language, then praying in tongues. Paul, if, if you got problems with that, Paul said, I pray in tongues more than you want. This is the apostle that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So he thought that there was power in praying in the Spirit. In fact, Jude says this, build yourself up in the most holy faith. Build up means to, to build an edifice or a temple praying in the Spirit. There's power in praying in the Spirit. 1 Corinthians says this, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with the spirit. He's talking about in tongues. But I will also pray with my mind, which is my native language. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. Paul understood the value of praying in your native tongue, but he also understood the value of praying in tongues, in a spiritual heavenly language where you are praying God's ultimate will and you're praying in harmony with the Father. So he helps us when we, in our prayer. There are times I get down to pray and I already have an idea what I'm going to be praying about and, and something will come to my spirit. The Holy Spirit reminds me of a pastor across the country or a person in need somewhere in a distant land and I will begin to pray for them and the Holy Spirit through me begins to pray for them. Why? Because the Spirit of God knows exactly what to pray for. I remember my mom when I was a kid, she got up and my dad got up and he said, we've got to pray. Something's going on. They began to pray for my older brother. who was at a softball tournament in Myrtle Beach. They began to intercede for him. Within a few minutes, they got a call that the guy who was driving the car back fell asleep and they ran under an 18-wheeler and the whole top of that car came off and there was not a scratch on it. Not a scratch on it. Come on.
kingdom, control, and surrender. Can I surrender and say, Lord, whatever you want, I'll have. See, we try to hold on. Jesus said, if you try to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake,
as long as you doubt the hand of provision of God, you'll always try to control your own financial outcome. I just release that. I just release an anointing over you to just believe God for supernatural things. Supernatural things. There are multiple ways you can give. They'll come up on the screen. You can give through the app. You can give through Cash App. You can give through the bins mounted in the back wall. Whatever way you choose to give today, we want to say thank you. You can just text the word bridge to the number 94,000. You can see exactly what's going on here at Bridge. Give Pastor Scott a hand as he comes. And we want to thank you again for being here today. God bless you. As uh, Pastor mentioned, if you want to know anything about Bridge Church, what's going on, you can just simply text the word bridge to the number 94,000 and you can check out all of the events. Again, if you're a first time guest here, thank you so much for being with us. As Pastor mentioned at the